The epistle reading is from Romans chapter 6 and is the basis for our sermon today. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can you who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, as we take a look at Romans chapter 6, it's important to remember that that Paul announces the whole theme of Romans in chapter 1, that the gospel is God's power for salvation because it shows us that the righteousness of God is through faith for those who believe. Now, I've always loved Romans chapter 6, but spending time deeply digesting it this week made me love it even more. But there is a strong paradox throughout Romans. There are two truths that are seemingly in tension with each other, both completely true, but pulling one against each other. The first truth of this paradox is that we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. Paul writes that we know our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Now, what does it mean to be dead to sin? Does it mean that now I have the capacity not to sin? Or I have the capacity not to sin by rejecting temptation, but my flesh is weak to do this on a consistent basis? After all, in many areas of my life that I've worked hard to improve, I I do feel like I sin less in those areas than I did before. But even thinking of sin less, that has less of a grip on my life, can lead to pride, which then swings the balance back again from holiness back to sinfulness. Paul says, so you must also consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This means that we are to dread our sinning, that it would be disgusting to us, And that's the conclusion that that Paul draws in verses 12 and 14, which are not a part of our text, but probably should be today. Starting with verse 12, Paul says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, 
but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. You see, this is a new life that we are being called to live, the newness of life. The theologian Cranefield describes these four different views of what it means to be dead to sin. That we died to sin in God's sight when Christ died on the cross for us. That that is when we were dead to sin. Another view of this is that we've died to sin and were raised up in our baptisms, individually, personally. Or that we've been called and given the freedom to die daily and hourly to sin by the mortification of our sinful desires and to rise daily and hourly to the newness in life in obedience to God. And one fourth way that we are to die to sin finally and irreversibly when we actually die and will fully and finally and irreversibly at Christ's coming be raised up to the resurrected life. Now all of these kind of put together give us an idea of what it means to die to our sins. Paul would have us talk less about what it means to die to our sins and, and more about what it means to live in this victorious new life that we have. To be pressing forward, to put our old ways behind us and enjoy this full and new and vibrant life, to know what it means to have your hearts awakened to the power of life in Christ. So what does that look like for me and for you? Well, it means we put to death things of our past. Are there people or places or things that we need to avoid that have no business in this newness of life? Are there places that we go that we should be avoiding or, or people that we spend time with that are, are not good or healthy for our faith? Are there websites that you surf that just feed your lusts or your angers? See, the power of life in Christ makes our stomachs turn over these things. To not even let this thought come into existence in our mind, to be tempted by these things is ridiculous. And it's to completely miss out on the whole point of Jesus' redemptive work. See, the power of life in Christ drives you to spend more time with family. The power of life in Christ makes this hunger build inside of you to spend more time reading and digesting and loving the Word of God. The power of life in Christ makes us sacrifice for those around us to recognize that we are dead to our sin and alive in Christ. Now, at one point in time, we were enslaved by our sin. To be enslaved by your sin means that their sin defines you, it grips you with an unescapable grip and strength, and it controls our life and separates us from God for eternity. But to be dead to sin, to be dead to sin means that we are no longer enslaved by it, that we are defined by our baptisms, we are held by Christ with a grip and a love that no one can remove. 
that we are set free and empowered to live a new life and to enjoy life with him for eternity. Now, I'd like to make it simple to say that, that we've just been simply set free from the consequence of sin. But that's not what Paul is saying here. Not only are we set free from the consequence of sin, namely death, but we are also set free from sin itself. This is so much more gospel than just being set free from the consequence of sin. Paul writes that we were therefore buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in this newness of life. Now, before you hear that word, might walk with a newness of life as a maybe, it's important to note that in the Greek, this, this particular verb tense defines a certainty, a sureness, that if you have been dead to sin and alive in Christ, you will most certainly walk in a newness of life. So that's one truth that we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. And that is pulling against this other truth throughout Romans that we still sin every single day. 1 John chapter 1, John writes, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That sounds so familiar, doesn't it? I think we spoke those words earlier this morning. That acknowledgement that we are indeed sinful and in need of a Savior. In fact, Paul himself calls himself the chief of sinners. See, I am dead to sin, but I still continue to sin. Sometimes I, I hate the sin that I do, and honestly, sometimes I enjoy the sin. In Hebrews chapter 10, the author writes, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. And so if we're always sinning, wouldn't it be great if we wanted more and more of God's grace to just continue to sin more and more so that God's grace can abound? And Paul says in this text, by no means. Do not even let that thought be entertained by your brain. By no means. But still we sin. And Paul himself in Romans chapter 7, just after our text this morning, he writes this, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. So now, if sin is still in us, did we not die to sin? Or we should just not worry about it and sin all we want, knowing that Jesus will forgive us. See, we have been baptized into his death. This is a strong connection to one of our measurements of discipleship here at St. Luke's, this life of freedom 
that when your heart is awakened to the power of life in Christ, one of those aspects in your life is that you will see and grow and enjoy this life of freedom, which is connected first and foremost to our baptisms. I'm baptized and remember my baptism daily. Every time we see, hear, taste, touch, smell, feel water, to remember our baptisms, to remember whose we are, who defines who we are, and that of Jesus Christ. See, our old Adam is indeed dead. Our sinful self is indeed, we have died to sin. But as Luther has written, that it signifies that this old Adam in us, together with all sins and evil lusts, should be drowned by daily sorrow and repentance and be put to death, and that the new man should come forth daily and rise up, cleansed and righteous, to live forever with God's presence. That old Adam, he's, he's drowned, but he likes to fight his way back up to the surface of the water. And in our daily remembrance of baptism, we push him back down and remember that the newness in life awaits us today. We begin our worship with those words. Every single week, we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Not only because we acknowledge that we are in the presence of the divine, but we also speak those words to remember our baptisms that we were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is who we are. Now, if you look at Romans chapter 6 through 8 as a whole unit, those three chapters, that the dominant theological character is this now but not yet tension that we live in. We are given the ability to resist temptation by God's power at work in us, but not yet in all of its fullness. See, in Romans chapter 6 through 8, Paul discusses the present impacts of sin, the law, and death upon the believer. They no longer reign, sin no longer reigns in our life, but it still affects us. We acknowledge that sin still exists, but it no longer defines, controls, or condemns our lives. There is no longer any condemnation from the law for those in Christ, because Christ on the cross has crucified our sins, and they are paid for in full. But we do continue to be frustrated by our inability to carry out that law perfectly. Now, with this tension in mind, it's important that we don't just resolve this tension, but that we embrace the tension, that we live within that tension, that that tension is, in fact, our existence today. That we are dead to sin, but we still sin daily. This tension speaks of a death to sin and baptism, followed by an imperative change to resist from living in sin from now on. Paul states that in our baptisms, we were and are still already now connected to Christ's crucifixion, death, and burial. But he also carefully holds off our full participation in Christ's resurrected life by referring to that experience 
in the future tense, that this is something that we will encounter in all of its fullness. We are dead to sin, but we still see the effects of sin. We are called to find sin repulsive and know that our lives are no longer defined by it. So we repent and we relish the grace that God uses to set us free. Remember our baptisms and know that we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. May the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.